Good morning, everyone. <laughs> um, the first little bit that I want to share actually just came to me just in worship um, as we were singing just about, about Jesus and his beauty. Um, and it's just this one question that it's in Song of Solomon and the daughters of Jerusalem ask the, the bride, what kind of beloved is your beloved? Um, and I actually feel that that's kind of going to be the, the theme that's going to run through my message as well as then what that relationship with our beloved looks like and the kind of relationship he's calling us into. Um, so yeah, I might come back to that question, but I just feel like to keep that in your mind and even think of it now, like, what do you guys think about the beloved that is your beloved? What kind of beloved is he? Um, referring to Jesus, of course, in that. Um, yeah, I really felt the Lord wanted me to talk about the abiding relationship, um, which Jesus, yes, yeah, spends spends a good good chunk of time. Who knows what the actual amount of time was, but you know, John spends quite a bit of time talking about Jesus talking about that uh, abiding relationship in John 15. Um, but I actually want to start in John chapter 14, verse 21, and we're going to kind of make our way towards what that abiding relationship looks like. Um, for those who have Bibles and phones and, and want to go go with me, um, absolutely more than welcome. Or if you just want to listen to me, uh, read it as well. That's That's fine. So verse 21 says, this is Jesus talking, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and disclose myself to him. Which is really beautiful, isn't it? We get to love, we get to love him through, through our obedience to what Jesus said. And the promise is pretty beautiful and pretty sweet that we will actually be loved by the Father and we'll be loved by Jesus and Jesus will disclose um, or the Greek word of that is uh, um, which is to manifest, to exhibit, disclose, declare, make known. So we have a promise there that Jesus will love us and will manifest himself to us. It's actually an experience. It's not just an idea. It's an experience. And that's going to be something I'm going to continually come to as we go through the word. Um, and we're heading towards abiding, chapter 15. So you can keep that in mind. Keep your Bibles open if you're still in 14. Um, I'm actually going to provide some context for that too because we've probably heard a lot about commandments in the Old Testament and then we've got Jesus talking about my commandments which is quite a personal reference um, and we see in John 13, 34 Jesus gives a new commandment to his disciples. So this commandment didn't exist before <laughs> and he's like I've got a new commandment for you. Um, I'm just going to read that to you guys. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. So we, we see something actually quite monumental here in the, in the words of Jesus that, that the commandment he is bringing is that we would receive his love and then love one another likewise. Love one another based on the love that we have received from him. In another translation, it says, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 
Paul, Paul seems to have caught this, this revelation as well as a fulfilling of this commandment um, in his life. Because we see in Romans 13, 8, he actually, he says and instructs uh, the Romans, uh, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. We see in Galatians 5.14 as well, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Which is quite incredible considering the law that got, got laid down at Mount Sinai and then Jesus bringing about this. Well, it's, it's more than a new law because it's a new life, which is by his spirit. Um, but, but there is a flow because Jesus still said that I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And we see that the fulfillment of the law is carried out through a love for one another. In the context of Jesus' new commandment, he's saying the only way that you're actually going to be able to love one another is through the receiving of my love for you. Receiving the love that I have for you is going to be the way that you then love, love one another. It's actually the very same way that you love yourself. You can't actually love yourself without receiving the love he has for you first believing in that you're his beloved, that he's actually poured out his love for you so that then you can actually love, you can love your neighbor as yourself. But before I knew Jesus' love, I couldn't love my neighbor because I didn't love myself. <laughs> so it was a bit of an uphill battle there because good luck trying to love someone when you don't believe you're worth being loved. You're only going to love to the measure in which you see yourself worth being loved. Um, so this is going to carry us, yeah, towards John 15. Um, but I still want to touch on one more, one more verse in chapter 14, which is uh, John 14, verse 23. And Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So we have a pretty incredible promise again from Jesus. And given the context, he's speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them that I and the Father are going to come make my home in you. We're going to come and abode in you, um, which is quite a promise to be receiving. And, and, and you see the condition of the promise is if anyone loves me and keeps my word, that you'll be loved by the Father, that you'll, you'll come to him, that the Father and the Son will come to you and make, make their home within you. Um, yeah, I want to I I jump into John 15. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read quite a bit of it just because it's beautiful and, and very, very rich in the revelation it carries. Okay. So we have Jesus saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I just want us to sit on that word abide and I actually want to um, kind of break it down a bit. 
I want to I want us to look at look at the word abide and what it carries because clearly it's important for it to get mentioned that many times in that in that small excerpt of scripture. Um, and so the word abide in the Greek uh, is the word meno, and it actually carries lots of different definitions and meanings in the way that the word abide could be applied to a context or a situation, or or in this situation a relationship which Jesus is calling us into. Um, so the first part of abide is to remain. And so there is a call to, to come and remain in Jesus. Um, and then it talks about in reference to place, there is a definition that abide carries in reference to place, which is to tarry. Um, you, you have the, the, the story, I guess, as well as the reality of Jesus instructing his disciples um, to wait, to tarry before the um, Holy Spirit would clothe them with power from on high which you see at the end of um, Luke's gospel. So not to depart, so to, to remain, to keep yourself in him. Um, one of my favorite parts of this word and the way it can be defined is actually the definition to continue to be present. And so there's actually a call for us to be continually present with the, present with the Lord. He's actually calling us into an intimate connection and abiding relationship where we would be continually present. It's not like a switch that you, you switch on and off when you're abiding. It's, I'm going to continue to be present with the Lord. I'm going to continue to shift my awareness, to, to shift my adoration and, and, and my eyes even just to Him in any given moment. It's a continual, continual reality of being present with the Lord. I love another part of this, which is to be held, kept continually. So another part of the definition of abide is to be held be kept continually and you can almost just imagine like the arms of the father and jesus just wrapping you up literally just holding you keeping you continually that 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 relationship that he calls us to abide in him he's actually also saying and i in you so there's actually this kind of intimate exchange where he's like this is this is how i want you to be with me yet this is how i'm going to be with you so i'm actually even i'm even being the example for what an abiding relationship looks like you know, we've seen Jesus and all of us have experienced his pursuit of us, his desire for intimacy with us. And, and that's something the Lord was talking to me in this abiding. It's like he actually pursues the abiding relationship with us. And he even goes like, here's my promise that I and the Father will make, my, make our home in you and now come into me. Experience me and come into me. And I just love that. I, and I love the, the definition that gets carried in this, um, in this one word. Okay, there's still more. We've got there's A, B, C, and D, and so we're up to C, and it's in reference to time, and I love that as well because we we have even a definition of eternal life is that we may know Him. So the definition of eternal life is that we would come into a knowledge of Him, starting now, to know Him. Okay, and so the definition here of abide in reference to time is to continue to be. So it's a continually being present with the Lord in Him not to perish, to last, and to endure. Which I love too, because we actually need to be aware that abiding in Him does, does involve an effort as well as a pursuit. That he, he has shown Himself, He has revealed Himself to us as the one who, who desires to abide in us and make His home in us. Yet there is this response on our behalf, which is to pursue Him. Pursue Him and continue to be pursuing Him. Um, and to, to last and endure, which talks about the longevity of this relationship. It's not. There isn't some honeymoon stage and then it dies off. Like, 
I remember, I remember getting told early on in my faith because they saw that I was, you know, burning and wanting to go do missions and all this stuff. And it was like, I can't remember the exact words, but it was essentially like, put, put the dimmer switch on that, like, otherwise you're going to burn out. And I'm just like, well, either this love is real and I'm being consumed by it, so why would I sign up for wanting a dimmer switch? Or I'm actually created to fall more and more in love with him because love is what fuels the flame of our adoration. Like, we can't do it. It's only because he first loved us that we have any ability to love the Lord. And so it's like, what, so do I cut myself off from, from receiving his love and then I'll become a dimmer switch? Which I saw that it was, you know, they'd experienced a height of love with Jesus and then it died off. And they'd, and they'd settled for the dying off, diminished relationship with him. And so I was like, I'm not buying that. Like, I want to burn for Jesus. Like, I want to I be consumed by his love. The last, the last definition of this word abide is, is also beautiful. And so... What it talks about is in reference to a state or a condition. So like the condition of your being. What, is, what does abide mean for the actual condition of your being? And, and the beautiful part here is to remain as one. And, and we actually see Jesus carry that in, in um, John 17 when he, when he prays and intercedes for us to be one as, as him and the Father are one. So he's actually imparting a revelation of what it means to be one, the union, the joining with him, being inseparable from him and and we see that as we read john 15 that apart from him we can do nothing there is no thing that we can actually do that bears fruit according to his kingdom apart from being intimately joined it's only in that joining that we can produce that we can do anything which seems like a pretty harsh pretty harsh word like as as well as an encouraging one that we actually can't (laughs) we can't us apart from him can't do anything. Which gets you into a place where then in order to do anything, I need him. It, it, actually, it actually pushes you in a direction to draw into him. To go, I need to be in you. I need your strength. I need your ability to carry out anything that I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to dive into a bit more of John 15. Um, so we're, we're at verse 6. And so he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch that dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So there's, there's also quite a reality of us not choosing to abide and us detaching ourselves from the vine, which is the source of life, which is him. You know, there is no life apart from Jesus. There's only life in him. And you, you see the, the reoccurring thing. Whenever Paul talks, it's always in him. <laughs> And I love that because it, it constantly gets your focus on the only way that I can even walk this out. The only way that I can even endure and not perish is if I stay in him. We haven't signed up for some easy journey. It's not the wide path. It's the narrow one. Like, and it's actually reassuring in a way to know that I can't. And if I choose to separate myself from him and his love for me, I choose to separate myself from an intimate relationship with Jesus. There actually is only one place for me. And it's that I dry up and burn and not in the good burning sense. So there's a weight to that. I think we, need to, we do need to digest that as well as for us, if we're going to live this thing, that's hopefully not going to be our reality. But it is an option that you detach yourself from that connection with him. Okay. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So we, we see something very beautiful in that too with 
in abiding in him, his, his words, which also is him, he's the word, the word made flesh, he, he carries the words of life on his tongue. But those words actually abide in us. So we actually carry them and, and we, we don't allow them to depart. We cause them to remain in us as he calls, calls those words to abide in us. And then from that place, we start praying kind of prayers that Jesus was praying with his words in us. We're speaking his words, we're speaking his truths. And, and there's a beautiful way that um, we get to glorify the Father, which is the next verse. In actually what we're praying being done, it gets to glorify the Father through the Son. Um, and so my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And, and so we see it again. We see this, this love that Jesus brings and he, he's calling us into it. He's saying, come into this love. Do not depart, remain. Continue to be present in this love. You know, we see, see the reality of existing outside of love. There is no point. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 hits, hits the nail on the head with that, that it's only in love that there is any point, any, any meaning, any purpose to our lives because it's being in his love that, that he has for us. Again, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So his words enable and help us to stay present in his love. His words are actually to keep us in his love. He's actually jealous for us to be in his love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So again, Jesus is always the standard and always the example. He's not asking something of us that he hasn't already done. He said, as I've I, I abide in my Father's love and, and I obey my Father's words. I'm calling you into that same relationship, which is such a great privilege. And the beauty that it wraps up with um, before it goes into a different idea is these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be full in you and that your joy may be full. So his desire is actually that the joy that he experiences would come and be on the inside of us and fill us up. Like G Jesus carried um, the oil of gladness that surpassed his companions. He actually wants to impart to us a joy that would be his joy on the inside of us, which is beautiful. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do verse 12 and 13 because it also carries in a way the definition of what this love is that he's actually talking about. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, which is actually him reinstating what he did in chapter 13. He's saying, here's actually the ability that, that you have, and this is my commandment to you, that you could receive the love that I have for you and love one another just as I have loved you. And then we see the definition of what, what love really is. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So that's the love that Jesus demonstrated. He, has, he hasn't even laid his life down at that point, but he is actually saying this is what the greatest love is that you could have in you. That you, could, that you could cause my laid down life to affect you so deeply that it would lead you to love people in that very same way. And see, we, we can't actually just become this without experiencing it. Because these thoughts and concepts don't really resonate on a deep level. They can, they can hit you in the mind, which is beautiful, but they're not going to actually carry the weight to affect everything you do and how you love unless you receive 
the reality of his laid down life for you. You see the suffering, you see the pain that he went through on the cross to lay his life down for you. One of my favorite verses that I've been meditating on recently, which carries this kind of same concept through, is Romans 8.32. And he said, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So we, we see Paul reflecting on the father not sparing the son, but giving him and delivering him over, knowing what Christ was to go through, knowing the pain, the suffering, um, the accusation. He did not spare him. He looked at you and he said, I will give my son for you because I love you so much. And we, we even see the, the John three sixteen. it's he so loved that he gave. It was a measure of his love that moved him to, to actually give himself to us, to deliver Jesus over to death, even that on a cross, so that we could be reconciled, be brought back to the Father's love that he's been desperately wanting to pour out and give to us, and give us his spirit of adoption um, by which we cry, Abba, Father, and we can actually be in dependence. It's the one relationship where utter dependence is actually the only option. We're supposed to be utterly dependent, and that's what, John 15 with the vine carries is that we can't actually do anything apart from this connection with him. Um, I want to rest on Ephesians 3.16 through to 20. You guys can go there if you'd like to. Um, just spend a few minutes on it as well. It's Paul's prayer um, to the Ephesian church. And so the great thing about Paul's prayers is we can take them for ourselves and that Paul's, Paul would also pray this over us. And so I'm just going to jump in and it says, He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I want to quickly rest on the word comprehend because we see, we see, well, we see a few different words get mentioned in regard to the mind or it seems like they're to the mind. Um, the first one is that we may, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. And, and that word comprehend in the Greek is katalambano, which isn't an easy one. Um, but it talks about to lay hold of. The, the comprehending is actually um, a proactive action that we would lay hold of it, um, to obtain it, attain to, to make one's own, to take into oneself. So it's a comprehension that takes our exertion to, to grab it. Um, also involves to detect, catch, to lay hold of with the mind, to understand, perceive and learn, um, which is what what Paul is actually asking and praying to God that there would be this ability that, that these ones could comprehend, they could lay hold of, um, yeah, the reality of, of Christ in them, um, that he dwells in us through faith. And, and the interesting part is when it goes in, and to know the love of Christ, um, is that word know is genosko, and it actually doesn't just carry a, a mental or a... Um, perception 
of love, it carries an experience of love in its definition. So there is a to learn to know, get a knowledge of, but then there is a perceive and to feel. And, and the, the, the verse kind of gives it away because it talks about a love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So if it surpasses our knowledge, then it's not really for our knowledge. <laughs> it's for something else. This love, of, this love of Christ is supposed to affect us deeply and, and the, the love that's used there is the agape love, um, which the first part of the agape love is affection. So you could equally read it based on the definition of the, the word no, genosco, and the word love, agape. It could be to feel the affection of Christ. That would carry the, still the same definition of the two words they chose to use there in the Greek. Because it's already talked about comprehending with the mind, but now it's talking about a knowing that is beyond that of just a mind. It's that which surpasses knowledge um, that Jesus is actually inviting us into and and that's kind of the place I'm wanting us to get to with the, the abiding relationship and what kind of beloved is our beloved. He is one who wants us to experience his love, not, not just comprehend it because it can't be comprehended. It can be to a measure, but then there's part of it that just surpasses comprehension, surpasses knowledge. It's, it's for us to experience and feel it and be affected emotionally because his love is emotional. The love that the father had that led him to gave Jesus wasn't some transactional love. He thought, yeah, if I give that, I get this. It was, I'm so affected by seeing man suffering. I'm so affected by seeing the state of my creation that I'm actually willing to cause myself such suffering and pain to give my own son. And so we actually see the father's emotional love that he is calling us into is to experience a heartfelt, heart-moving love. And, and it gets given away as well in, in different times when, when Paul as well talks about like the marriage covenant um, in Ephesians 5 and he, and he says that the mystery that I'm speaking of is with reference to Christ and the church. could equally say Christ and the bride based on what he's just talked about. Um, in Revelation chapter 22 verse 17 um, as well that there is something that gives away the kind of relationship that Jesus desires with us because it's the spirit and the bride say come. So he's not actually looking for a soldier. He's looking for an intimate lover to call on him. He's looking for a, for a lover to ask him to come. And, and that's what gets carried in Revelation. But it's something that gets carried throughout actually the whole Bible. That even the Father God refers to himself as a husband. And he, and he even gives, you know, prophetic images of, of the jealous husband that he is desiring a wife. Um, where I want to finish, finish on is um, Song of Solomon. In chapter 4, verse 9, just to unpack a little bit of, of this kind of love relationship as well as this intimate connection he desires with us. Um, so we do see a bridegroom and a bride, and really it's written by King Solomon's hand, but you can just see, of course, God writing a prophetic story of Jesus and us, his bride. And something that will come to complete fulfillment, you know, at the end of time, but it's something that is already, as far as God's concerned, it's already been done because he's not within time. It's a construct he created. He already sees us as fully given as his bride, fully given as his lover. He doesn't see us as a fiance waiting to be wed, although there will be a wedding, you know, that we will experience. Yet he actually sees us as his bride. And so he wants to 
usher us into that place of seeing him as our as his as our husband um and something really moving is this is jesus invites invites us through or by proxy through this bridegroom that gets talked about um in song of solomon the effect that the bridal love has on him um and so verse 9 reads you have made my heart beat faster my sister my bride you have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. So we actually see how affected Jesus is as this bridegroom by this bridal love. And, and this, this section, made my heart beat faster, actually gets translated as one word, which is lavav which carries to ravish, specific to, to ravish the heart, which is why some translations will either have, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride, or you have ravished my heart. You have ravished my heart with a single glance of your eyes. So this, this is how real the relationship Jesus is calling us into with him, that we would look at him with, with the love of a bride, love of a bride for her husband. That's actually the desire he has for us to, to enter into. I'm going to go through just a few verses in chapter 4 and, and wrap it up. Um, he refers to her as a garden locked is my sister, my bride. A rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. He says, you are a garden spring, a well of fresh water. And something that Jesus as well has been teaching me is you, you see this kind of symbolic image of the garden where, the, where they come together the bride and the bridegroom. Um, or you see it uh, in the vineyard, they come together and, and they're tending to the vineyard. And, and the Lord just in, in, in the secret place in my own life just showed me that the garden is a symbol of intimacy with him and, and the tending to that intimacy as you would tend to a, um, a vineyard and the, the coming into the garden. And he even calls her a garden. As in, what is, your, what is your created purpose? You're designed to be a place of intimacy with me where you and I would come together. You and I would have a meeting place on the inside where there would be intimacy stirred up um, and created. And I'm going to finish on verse 16 in that chapter 4 of Song of Solomon. And now this is the bride speaking. And she says, Awake, O north wind, and come, wind of the south. Make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let its spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into his garden and eat its choice fruits. I found this part really beautiful because you see the desire of the bride not wanting the intimacy to only be behind closed doors or within this garden. She actually desires that her garden, it would th these winds which I could see as the Holy Spirit would, would actually breathe out the fragrance, that the intimacy and even even that the fragrance and the spices of that fragrance would waft abroad, this would actually be from intimacy we would reach out. From intimacy, the fragrance of our adoration and love for him would actually begin to waft out. It would be from that place that we would actually learn to do nothing apart from him. We would learn to do it in complete intimacy and joining. Um, the interesting part as well when I was just meditating and always studying Song of Solomon was I found it odd that he referred to her as my sister, um, and I mean, they're, they're, they're free to do that based on the translators and how they feel about certain words and that kind of thing. Um, but I looked at the definition of my sister in that context, 
and it's got a harder one. It's like achuf, but it translates as beloved. And then figuratively speaking, it has a part of the definition, figuratively intimate connection. So you see Jesus saying to his beloved, saying to the one he's intimately connected to, you ravish my heart. You so affect me. And I, and I felt like when, when that came up in the definition, I was like, it's through the intimate connection we affect him. It's through our pursuit of him that we affect him. And the Lord was speaking to me that it's only through our pursuit and the depth and the level of our pursuit that we're going to actually have intimacy to that same measure. And you see it in, in, in even natural relationships between husband and wife, you know, if they keep pursuing each other, you, you continue to see that intimacy grow and grow. Whereas then you see when they've stopped pursuing each other, it settles at a point. And I just felt Jesus, even with that burning idea, it's just like, he does not want us to settle for some level of intimacy that is nothing even close to what he paid for on the cross for us to come into intimate union with him. And he knows that it's through pursuit that, that intimacy is created. So he demonstrates it, but he actually desires it from us. And I find it so beautiful that he is so affected by even one glance of our eyes. That's not a sermon. It's not reading the Bible to him. It's just a glance of the eyes. He is ravished. He is undone by that. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop there. Um, I'm just going to pray uh, just for the, for the reality of the abiding relationship because it is a bit of like a mystic idea, I guess, the abiding in him. Um, being in him and him in us. But I really believe, you know, based on the word as well as my experience is that it is a desire he has for us to experience that intimate union and joining. Um, yeah. So I just, I just thank you, Jesus, for, yeah, for my beautiful family. Yeah, I thank you for each and every one of them in this room. Yeah, I thank you for the, for the invitation and the desire you have for such intimacy with them. That, that that is actually what you've written on, on their hearts is your desire for intimacy. Um, they actually want to even take hold of our hearts. Yeah, you want to lay hold of our hearts with your love. And I just even pray right now, Jesus, that, that you begin to lay hold of hearts and there'll be an openness and a responsiveness to your touch. Yeah, a letting down of yeah, any walls, any resistance that, that causes us to... Uh, yeah, come against what you're wanting to show us uh, in this way of intimacy and connection with you. And I just thank you, Jesus, that you desire such close connection, such close intimacy with us, that your desire for us is nearness. Yeah, your desire with us is closeness. Yeah, I thank you, Jesus, that you demonstrate pursuit. I thank you for pursuing me. I thank you for pursuing everyone in this room. Yeah, I just pray that we could give you your reward for your pursuit, Jesus. That we could give you your reward for what you paid for on the cross. That it was through your pierced side that we could enter into covenant with you by your blood shed and spilled that poured forth. I mean, just speak the, yeah, the bridal blood to just come over us that we could receive the covenant you paid for, which was a marriage covenant. Yeah, it was a covenant of love and deep love. Love that would affect our hearts so... Yeah, so immensely that we would be moved. Yeah, that our intimacy with you would be caused, um, would cause us to move and, and have our fragrance of intimacy with you flow abroad, be taken by the wind of your spirit. Yeah, Jesus, I just pray that the wind of your spirit would even just blow over us now, breathe a refreshment, a refreshing um, strength. 
yeah, to pursue you with all that we are for you're worthy of, yeah, our complete love, our complete heart. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, that we get to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's a privilege that we get to give you, we get to give you intimacy. I just pray that you would brand us with that reality. Mark it so deeply, mark it with your presence. Yeah, with a permanence, Jesus. Yeah, we just honor you, Jesus, love you. Yeah, just love being with you. Just make yourself at home here. We want to be affected. We want to be touched by you, Jesus. trust you as you've shown me you're trustworthy and so I sing in the trials in the pain I find comfort in your name you know trials you felt pain I will follow you all my days all my days yes all of my days I don't worship a king Whose flesh is intact No, the Lord that I serve He's got scars on his back Yes, he's got holes in his eyes He's got holes in his feet Oh yes, the God that I love His tears are running down His cheeks And so I sing In the trials In the pain I found comfort in Jesus' name He's walked trials He's felt pain I will follow him all of my days Yes, all of my days All of my days I don't worry 
worship a king whose flesh is in Yes, the Lord that I serve, he's got scars on his back. Oh, he's got holes in his eyes, he's got holes in his feet. Oh, yes, the God that I love, he's got tears running down his cheeks. And so I sing in the trials, in the pain, I find comfort in Jesus' name. He's walked trials, he's felt pain, I will follow you all my days. In the trials, in the pain. I find comfort in your name. Lord, you know trials, you felt pain. I will give you all of my day. And it's only by your love And it's only by your grace That I can stand here And sing your praise I can sing that you're so kind You are so perfect Lord, I can believe you Consider me worth it That I'm worth the life of your home son So I could be set free And your spirit can come your spirit can come It's only by your love It's only by your grace That I can stand here I can sing your praise Oh, I can sing that you're so kind I can sing that you're perfect And I can believe you Consider me worth it I'm worth the life Of your own son You're sent as a sacrifice so we could be one And the Spirit can come The Spirit come The Spirit reigns 
Lord, I said, hold me close. Yes, you hold me tight. Your arms are fine. The reasons I'm alive. And Lord, I said, let me go. I'll show you how I fly. But without you, my wings, they fail. It's you I need in my life. Without you, I'm short of fire. It's you I need in my life. So I sing, hold me close. Yes, you hold me tight. Your arms are see the warmth that's in your eyes. And Lord, would you pick me up and you show me how to fly? On your wings of love, you help me touch the sky. So it's you that I need in my life. So I cry, hold me. I cry,
a sacrifice for sure. But there, oh yes, there will be, there will be hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, there, oh, there will be. these two sticks 
I walk into the night Oh, I hope that they Are held together tight For they will hold A way of a new world They hold the weight of sin And God's only son Oh Lord, you bore so much pain Yet you took my shame So I sing words Is the lamb who was slain? Yes, I sing worthy. Is the lamb who was slain? And I sing praise to the one most high. Wants to inhabit my life. 
passing or biting me A vine you'll see will climb a tree It's you or me And fruits will be the result Of this intimacy Oh, I said abide in me A vine you see will climb a tree It's you or me And fruits will be the result Of our intimacy Say abide in me, the vine you see will climb a tree, it's you and me, and fruits will be the result of our intimacy. So everything that we read, it's a promise. Every word that you say, statement you make, it's a promise. Oh Lord, you only speak the truth. Oh, every action you do, it's a promise Oh, I can rest In your promises Lord, every word that you say Every statement you make It's a promise Because you only speak the truth Every word that we read It's a promise So when I stand In the presence Of my enemy numbers of their army that is all that my eyes can seem to see but then I read that you've come to set the captives free I know I stand in victory So when I 
presence of my enemy Oh, I will recite, I will recite the words that you've written for me And you have said that you've come to set the captives free So, so Lord, we stand in victory God's just really pressing on my heart, like mental health. Um, yeah, just for freedom to be in that area in people's lives. This isn't something that's foreign to me in any way. Yeah, I know the battle it is to walk in depression, anxiety, and it's being bonded into your head. But... <laughs> Christ came to set the captives free. Is that cool? Um, yeah, if that is you, I just really encourage you to come forward because I would love to sing some songs over you, I guess. Um, to share a bit of my journey, I guess I became a Christian five years ago and... I was just riddled with the stuff. I've, I've been to the lows of lows. I've, I've stood on the edge of cliffs and just wanted to jump. I've cut myself because I thought that was the only way I could control the pain. I've overdosed on drugs because I just tried to drown out all the pain. And I can sing this song in victory because I stand here in victory. 
it's not a, it's not just, it wasn't just an instant thing for me. There were moments and moments of the battle where I got stronger and stronger. And six months ago, five months ago, I just got whacked with it again. But I look at it, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't God. It was me not just taking his truth as a promise. Yeah, in the Old Testament, Moses, he, um, there's a battle going on and he has to hold his hands up. And as long as he's holding his hands up, they're winning. And that's just, you know, we need to position our heart in praise no matter what. And that's how we conquer this thing, by praising the king. We be still and he fights our battles. And that wasn't easy for Moses. He got tired. I think it was Aaron and Hare or something that had to come and hold his hands up. But that's what the body is. You're not alone in this. There's no shame in it. The body is here to lift you up and support you. And that goes to the body too. If someone's suffering from this in our body, guys, our body's not well. And that's okay because we're called to pick up their burdens and carry them with them. So if that is you here, I get it's hard to step out, but what we do in the flesh influences the spirit. That's seen when Moses holds his hands up. That's in baptism. It's why we baptise. It has, it has an impact on what happens in the spirit. So there's someone here tonight, this morning, that's suffering from that or feeling that. If you don't want to come out the front, I just encourage you to grab someone next to you because we're a body and we're here to lift you up. Your burden is our burden. I've shared this with a few people, but when I was kind of coming around from it and really starting to... Julesy prayed for me. In all honesty, Julesy prayed for me and it just left. So, like, that's never happened to me before, but it's a spiritual battle, you know. Up until then, it's been a journey. But God really spoke to me. And there's a process in pottery. I've shared this with a few of you. It's called, like, kitsungari or something. It's a Japanese word. But it's when, like, a pottery, an item of, um, like, a ceramic breaks. Rather than throwing it away, they repair it. And where the cracks are, they fill with gold. It's just, it's more beautiful and more valuable than it ever was before. And it's okay to be broken. God calls, calls, calls you even in the brokenness. But he wants to repair you with rivers of gold in those cracks. Things must be broken to be made whole. Repair with the finest gold. Once were cracks, now rivers of fullness flow. More beautiful than it was before. Some things must be broken. To be made whole Repaired With the finest gold Once were cracks now Rivers of fullness flow More beautiful than it was before More valuable than it was before 
than it was before More precious than it was before Yes, some things must be broken To be made whole Repaired with the finest gold Once were cracks now Rivers of fullness flow More beautiful than it was before Yes, I will say of the Lord most high from the mountain tops I'll testify that through the sun there is a new life I'll stand in awe of his sacrifice Yes, I will sing the Lord most high from the mountain tops I'll testify through the sun there is a new life I'll stand in all of his sacrifice I'm your bride you have my life oh I'm your I'm your bride You have my life Oh, I'm yours I'm yours, Jesus I'm yours And you are mine I'm your beloved Oh, and you are mine Yes, I will say The Lord most high From the mountain tops I'll testify That through the soil Lord, there is a new life Oh, I will stand in awe Of your sacrifice